as a new day begins on Quest of Oak Island Live. John and Jeff Freeman, along with Linda Simpson, head to the Quest studio. Our guest tonight has appeared on the History Channel, The Curse of Oak Island, for her knowledge of the Knights Templar and medieval history. She is a historian, she is an author, and a lecturer. She will be taking questions at the end of her presentation. I thank her for joining us live this evening. Please welcome Gretchen Cornwell. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, everyone. Nice Hi, to Gretchen. meet you. Hi, Gretchen. Thank you for the privilege of being with you this evening. Thank you for the invitation. It's our pleasure. Absolutely. Well, I enjoy uh, speaking about Oak Island and all things Templar related. Absolutely. And it was very interesting. I, I had to go back and watch the uh, the episode again, uh, which you were on season six. I think it was episode six. I watched it again because that was very interesting. Uh, a lot of the points that you made uh, during the show that night. So uh, um, I know that mm. um, uh, people will probably have quite a few questions for you tonight. Um, you know, we'll try to do our best to relay those questions uh, over to uh, John so he that then he can ask you. And I'm going to kind of interact with chat tonight. A little bit, okay. and uh, John's going to run the show. Yeah, and we'll try to do the questions towards the end of the presentation if mm -hmm. we can. Mm -hmm. I mean, if something comes up in between, right. we'll fly with it. Um, Gretchen, I always, I always ask uh, my first question is like, how were you approached by the producers of Oak Island for your expertise oh. to be on the show? And uh, we'll go with that one for number one. Well, that was rather convoluted, actually, and very organic. I saw Ms. Zena Halpern on Oak Island, yep. and I thought, I have got to talk to this woman. I have to get a hold of her, because I myself had found an individual that I believed had traversed the Atlantic and been to the north american continent and i wanted to talk to her about that mm -hmm. and uh it was actually she has good people around her uh at the time and sadly of course she has has passed away mm -hmm. uh i was privileged to have, yeah oh she was so full of energy and oh, yeah, passion and, and knowledge and uh just the force of her will and her energy mm -hmm. came over the phone I was very lucky to have spoken with her twice Great. within within months of her her passing, and my main regret was that I did not get a chance to speak with her further or to share my information with her. But uh, I was quite grateful that uh, her research assistant of ten years, Judy Rudebush, trusted me enough to let me talk to Judy, and so did or excuse me, Zena, and so did Zena's son. And uh, at that point, I started discussing Oak Island matters and Templarism with Judy, who has also been on uh, the History Channel, Oak Island. And she's a special lady. She is quite humble and is a very good researcher. 
very, very sharp. And I know she has done work behind the scenes for the team. Humble lady. But uh, that was how this transpired was through Judy. And oh, Judy, okay. started, Judy started talking to Doug, and then things went from there. And uh, uh, it did evolve over a period of a few months. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, uh, we were in front of a camera. And that was actually in June of that summer, 2018. But it didn't air until December. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so it was very organic and uh, uh Wonderful to get to know some of the other people behind the uh, scenes and uh, get to know Doug a bit too. So yeah, so Judy and Judy Judy was the lady that was on the show that was there in the war room. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. One day. Yes. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. She introduced me that night. Mm -hmm. So very good. And um, also uh, Gretchen, I sort of try to surmise a lot of the questions that were coming through on the group. And this guy, Eric Martin, sort of summed up most of the questions I was getting of, uh, you know, what became of the Templars as they knew the day before October 13th. Mm. But the next day, like the fleets have vanished along with enormous treasure. Give us some background and educate me on from that point forward a little bit. And then we'll go from that point to how that connected to go to Oak Island. Great. Uh, I'd be, I'd be happy to. Thank you. And uh, I'm quite excited to be here. I'm quite happy to be on with you now. This is my life's passion. The Templars, they probably had a good month head start and perhaps longer the king of uh, France, or the French kingdom at that time, Philip the Fair, who was anything but fair, the year prior had the wealth of the Jewish community stolen and expelled okay. them from the Jewish community from his kingdom. He was broke. He was involved in expensive foreign wars. He was also very greedy. So as soon as he accomplished that, and if I were a Templar, with a keen military eye and an eye for, well, subterfuge, the, the spying world. You know, yeah. these are military men. They're not going to be crocheting daisies, are they? Uh, they were the SAS of their day. So right. they can read people. They can understand where someone's coming from. So I think that there were, were earmarks, red flags along the way. But a month before the Templars were arrested, the king sent out a uh, sealed orders to his men across the kingdom, stating that on Friday the 13th, the morning of, they were to arrest their local Templars in, in their own preceptories, farms, uh, fortresses, yep. uh, commanderies. So that was the order that went out. Now, the Templars weren't just men on horses. It took three to six individuals to keep a knight on a horse. It also took a wide range of services such as food, uh, armor, uh, blacksmithing, 
So we're talking about individuals who were embedded in their communities through families. You had to be of nobility to become a Templar. You had to be a knight at the age of 21 to be admitted into the order. So these are individuals from privileged backgrounds, educated backgrounds, uh, not in the way we know it today, of course, but they were from the uh, middle classes of their day. And they were okay. merchants. They were involved in all manners of society. So you can't tell me that somebody didn't get curious and wasn't perhaps a friend of a merchant that was in business with the Templars. So uh, it is my thought that those sealed orders were opened by one of King uh, Philip's men and feeling some sympathy for the Templars, perhaps even even related to them, perhaps. And that, yeah, and, maybe. Relations, yeah, yeah. These, these, this was a network of, of uh, individuals. They didn't exist in a bubble, a floating balloon outside of uh, and disconnected from all space. Uh, this was more like a, a row of dominoes that connected to everything. And that would, would be my absolute thought. They knew they were coming, and they had more than one night to get clear. But their numbers were not as great as King Philip's. He had one of the strongest, most sophisticated, excuse me, sophisticated standing armies in, his, in, in Europe. So they weren't going to be able to launch an offensive or a, a martial defense. So what they chose to do was to take what they could, alert who they could without tipping their hand, and disperse their most valuable men and assets and treasures. And those men and individuals would have gone to, everybody knows, of course, Scotland. Uh, the King of Spain, right. uh, basically the King of Spain said, you want to come and arrest the Templars that have come to me? Well, they're mad. They're armed. Come and get them. <laughs> and I'm quite happy. To, no, no, you know, <laughs> I'm yeah. quite happy to welcome them into my kingdom. And uh, now, Gretchen. Yes, uh, forgive me. The record of the the record of 18 Templar ships mm. being in the port of La, La Rochelle in yes. France on the, October 12th. Is that correct? 18 ships. Yes, and the reason why we know this. Okay. And now this this is testimony. Uh, the individual, Sir uh, de Charnay, he had been arrested, unfortunately, and the Templars were taught not to lie. And they did believe mm -hmm. that the Pope was going to come and clear their name. It's all just a mistake. Rescue them from Philip and make everything okay. Mm -hmm. They had a good 200 years of tradition behind them. They were so respected they were the judiciary you could go to them with anything you could also trust a templar to get you to the middle east on the holy land on a ship right. they wouldn't yeah. throw you overboard halfway through and steal your money and they of course were famous for early banking techniques and right. yes. assisting you from uh getting to europe to the middle east to go on a holy pilgrimage. But uh, according to to the testimony that survived at the trial of, of Sir de Tournay, he said, and this is so important that, that you must remember this, 
the Templars okay. owned owned 18 of their own ships at La Rochelle. Mm-hmm. And Alrighty. this bit of testimony is often besmirched by naysayers that the Templar order survived. That means if they owned these vessels, they had command of them. They, they had command of where they were going to go. Right. Exactly. So that's something we've got to remember. And mm-hmm. I've heard so many people tell me, but they were mostly on land. And the problem with that is that's not entirely true. Yes, they had landlocked fortresses and roads and networks, but they also commanded the coastlines and had one of the largest, their own Navy, but they also uh, rented. But at Accra, or what is called now uh, Eco, in the Holy Land, the last Templar stronghold to fall in in uh, the Holy Land, the Templar castle and port was okay. well established. And next door was the, the Venetian Quarter. They were living next door to Venetian ship. Uh, uh, builders and uh, merchants so they were trading with the Venetians Mm. and uh, using their ships they were fast they were capable of carrying uh, great uh, uh, loads of of goods lumber wine uh, gold artifacts men so they were well acquainted with the uh, with the seas so okay. I, I do not take it on board that they did uh, not have access to two ships. So that oh, was very yeah. important. So forgive me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no problem. Also, I got a uh, statement here. You can tell me if it's true or not because you're educating us, and I appreciate it. Yes, thank you. It is true that a little of value was found by King Philip's men when they ransacked the Paris Temple and all the commandaries. But it is also true that King Philip witnessed the Templars' riches when they sheltered him from a riot Parisian mob in 1306. He also saw the bullion brought by Jacques de Malais upon his return to France in 1307. Yet, within a year, all the visible or portable wealth was gone, as well as weapons and ships we must ask ourselves if the <laughs> Templars were forewarned and took precautions prior to the hour of doom on October 13th, 1307. Yes, I can only imagine that King Philip was furious when he discovered hmm. the uh, the temple in Paris completely emptied except for the upper brass who stayed to clear their name and protect their honor. Uh, Yes, those uh, key treasures and also spendable treasure was taken away. And there are different ideas on on where where those uh, valuables would have gone. And I would surmise that there were more than 18 ships as well. 
that may have been the port of La Rochelle. Mm -hmm. But I've done yep. quite a lot of research in France and I'm writing a book on on it now. But there were also other ports. There was the northern Talmont and southern Talmont, which sandwiched La Rochelle. And there were Templars at both those locations on the coastline. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they, they did manage to, to funnel it out. I do think a good portion went to Scotland, who Robert the Bruce, of course, was in right. exile, uh, excuse me, excommunicated by the Catholic Church at that point. And the Templars found themselves excommunicated. So they, they uh, obviously, they went there. And, of course, one of the battles against Edward II Plantagenet the legend of white knights on, on horseback riding into battle and defeating the English mm -hmm. to the tune of 20,000 lost souls on the English side. That's, that's incredible. That's tremendous. So, uh, and I do think that their most sacred of, of objects would have gone to uh, Oak Island. And uh, of course they went to Switzerland, Spain, Portugal. Yep. Portugal is a Templar kingdom. And right. they branched they branched all out. They I mean, branched just, they branched out. People focus on they, Scotland, they focus on Paris, they focus but yes. remember, I mean they branched out all over Europe, which I think they right. were a right. successful corporate repeatable yep. Uh, organization right and 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 if they and if they had taken away that much of what they had in valuables uh obviously it wouldn't have gone all to one place correct uh, that would be folly that, that would be folly in case yeah, well, absolutely. they were compromised <laughs> yes yep, exactly yeah right. but i i obviously they did they did escape they mm. could not protect everyone because they just didn't have enough time but they did have at least a month and deep suspicions that something dreadful was about to happen. Correct. And uh, yep. yes. Now, what I also find interesting as part of the De Charnay uh, testimony is this, that the uh, commander of the preceptory took uh, 150 men and three cartloads yep. of gold and silver on the night of the 12th. Now, that had to have been a noise festival because you're talking yeah. about <laughs> men on horseback, hooves, you know, clattering yeah. on paved stones, ricocheting right. off of buildings, you know, stone buildings, you know, and these clattering three laden uh, cartloads. Now, uh, yeah. the, uh, they didn't make it to the coast. And in all honesty, there was no way they were going to make it to La Rochelle. It was too far away. I think it was a deterrent. It, it, they wanted to draw off uh, the king's men. And they did it successfully to the tune of their own loss. They were arrested. And the yeah, king... Are, that's, a, that's how the Templars were. Mm -hmm. They were so proud that oh, they, yeah. would make a they would make a diversion like that so yeah. the majority of them would have a free shot. Yes. Of freedom, and they would just sacrifice yeah. themselves. They I understand did. that. Yeah. Yep. And their odds were three to one, uh, if if not more, and they were never allowed to leave the battlefield. They were always first on and last off. And yep. there is nothing of note that has survived in records that King Philip gained anything other than spendable treasure 
out of that uh, of capturing uh, uh, the, that uh, column that was trying to get to the coast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, he we wouldn't he would have shot at it from the highest the highest uh, rooftops if mm-hmm. they had anything of sacred relevance uh, that uh, could have given his reign greater. Oh, permanence, yeah, you know, absolutely. greater credence, you know. Mm-hmm. So he got spendable treasure. They gave it to him so they could get something else out at the last minute, probably along the uh, River Seine that went down through La Havre, uh, La Havre port and uh, via, via shallow boats. And they would have had uh, locations along that river uh, probably being watched by enemies as well but that would have been a route that i would have gone to get out of there and having having these brave officers you know lead the the king's men off in another direction yeah that's incredible so yeah um what else can i say about this uh goodness um I can't top that off with anything at the moment. Does anybody else have any questions on that on that front? Um, you see any questions, uh, Jeff? Yeah, on that well, bit? not so much on that. Um, uh, let's see. I just jotted down a couple here. Um, you know, and these pretty much get back to the whole thing of you know the Templars with Oak Island connecting that. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. um, and I really appreciate uh, you know Gretchen how much uh, knowledge you have on the Templars. Oh, thank and, you. And uh, everything yep. that's uh, that they took place over there, and you know, and obviously, it was my belief that obviously they went to uh, Nova Scotia or went to to Scotland, and then from there, yeah. obviously, the belief that they came over to Nova Scotia because that's New Scotland, so kind of makes <laughs> ties that together. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So uh, red flag, but, red flag. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, and and like <laughs> yeah. we said, not all of the the uh, treasure is going to be anything that they had. All their assets is not going to go to one place. They split it up and went to different places. Absolutely. Uh, so in one of those places, I believe, like, and I believe you do too, and John as well, that they came to Nova Scotia and uh, right. they brought something with them at that time. Right. And yes. That's our next mm-hmm. next uh, question, mm-hmm. I mean, was going to go from Europe well, now we're going west, Gretchen. We're going yes, west. Yes, <laughs> and they went west because they knew it was already there. And oh, this yeah, is, um, I hope you have time for this. If this, is a, if this is too complicated, let me know. But uh, the uh, location, the Viking settlement at, at Newfoundland has recently been cited as a ship repair station. Now, that suggests that there were probably other settlements around in order to warrant there being a repair station. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was founded in, in 1000 AD. So that's not too far uh, north of Oak Island either. And there is evidence to show that the Vikings made it all the way down uh, to, uh, I believe, uh, Boston. Uh, Boston, I might be getting that a bit fuzzy. But there is a uh, stone, a fairly good-sized stone. It's underwater now, but it was photographed in the 1930s, and it has the has Viking runes 
uh, carved onto it. Mm-hmm. So hmm. interesting. Uh, there is there there is this this legend and uh, a little bit of of ev- evidence there of the Viking runes, rune, uh, rune language being being carved on this stone that used to be something you could walk up to. Uh, now you have to to dive to find it. And if anybody out there is a Josh Gates fan. Uh, he he actually included that in one of his uh, episodes. Fantastic episode! So he he's terrific. I I, I really appreciate Josh Gates. I actually got uh, to meet but, him before. But <laughs> sorry, go you ahead. Yeah, oh splendid, oh splendid. Yeah. But so so you know it is not outside of the realm of possibility that the Templars were there because their forebears mm. were there first. Right. Now fl- fast forward. To 1066, so we've got 1000 AD. Fast forward to 1066, when William the Conqueror, who was descended of Norse and Vikings, he was uh, of uh, Normandy in France, was a uh, land given to Vikings to mm. Rollo. Uh, Rollo had had the Vikings had sacked Paris once already. Another wave came into Paris and attempted it a second time. And the Merovingian uh, king of Paris said, right, these guys are tougher than we are. Why don't we just royalize them? I'll marry my daughter off to to their strongest leader and give him what becomes Normandy. Mm-hmm. So uh, William the Conqueror is of the, uh, descendant of, of Rollo. So he is the last greatest Viking, and he takes the throne of England, and that is when the Viking raids cease in Europe, because they had finally conquered England and uh, also northern England, York, the city of York, Jorvik. So, and these individuals commanded the seas, Normandy is not is 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 not far away from Bernard de Clairvaux's uh, place of birth in northern France. You've got a lot of Norse DNA in northern France. So uh, when William the Conqueror, uh, excuse me, I'm jumping around. Bernard de Clairvaux was one of the masterminds behind the Knights Templar. So when William the Conqueror goes and takes England, Norse knowledge of sailing and also uh, secret knowledge of North America gets into uh, the English crown and the, the also the, the upper echelons of French nobility and also Scotland. So these noble houses we're, we're all interconnected, and where it got difficult for the Templars is, is they only, they were brothers without borders, and they only uh, paid respect uh, uh, to the Pope. He mm-hmm. was their, their liege lord, if you will, uh, and they could walk into any kingdom they wished to with their men, and th- this must have been rather intimidating to have the best warriors you know yes. the, the and they had the most sophisticated gear, you know, walking across their their lands. It must have been a bit intimidating, but the uh, the yeah. knowledge of sailing of the of the Norse 
seeps into the nobility of of Europe, Western Europe, and they they go to to North America, uh, and the the Templars follow because they knew it would be safe. There aren't a lot of Europeans vying for that land at that time. Right. That was that was their territory, and I do view Oak Island as a repository, a bank, if you will, uh, that has been visited and revisited uh, by different groups over time. So, uh, the certainly the Templars viewed it as as sacred and also a uh, a, a vault, but also uh, Queen Elizabeth, uh, her agents. And uh, Francis Bacon, uh, I do adhere to that theory as well. So we've got layers of, of visitations, and that's why it's been so confusing. Yes, it's not just, oh, it's not just one. It's, yep. it's been repeated visits. Right. And somehow Francis Bacon and Queen Elizabeth's agents eventually figured, found Oak Island. And uh, one of the interesting Interesting things about this is an Elizabethan warship was uh, ex, uh, excavated, if you will. It's underwater. It went down. Mm -hmm. This ship went down. And I think that might have been in 2006. I might have that wrong. But they found a box of navigation equipment. And inside this box of navigation equipment was a piece of optical calcite. Now, that is only mined in Norway. It is a very, very special piece of quartz. It's clear. You can see right through it. And the hmm. Norse used that as a navigation tool um, because you can see the sun on a cloudy oh, day. Oh, that's right. That's and right. I've heard about those before. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's called the Viking sunstone. Yep. And it was viewed with awe. It was mystical, it was mm -hmm. high technology, and it was a great secret. Now, what was a piece of optical calcite or Viking sunstone doing on an Elizabethan warship in there? Right. You know, <laughs> mm -hmm. so you know, it's these 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 uh, instances are very interesting. But uh, so we have repeated visits to Oak Island, and that's why it's so confusing. Yeah. Right. And that's why we say, you know, sometimes think that, uh, like, you know, there's a lot of talk about Samuel Ball and what he, how he became so wealthy all of a sudden. And there may be, you know, not uh, more than just one deposit. I think that's likely. Yeah. I exactly. think that's likely. And I, I mm -hmm. have to, uh, and you'll have to forgive me if you want me to slow down or stop, because uh, I can, no, I can, I can, <laughs> no, that's okay. I can We're carry on. <laughs> We're doing good. But um, I've actually had to revise my own theories that the Nolan Cross was originally related to the money pit. Or I should say in this another way, I don't think that we have enough evidence right now to show that the Templars built the money pit because there is no dendrochronology dating coming out of the money pit area now that goes back that far. Right. Yeah. You know, we don't, uh, it all seems to, 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 uh, coincide with, uh, Francis Bacon, you know, that, that, uh, and, and upward, um, it is, it is 
now now granted you know the the producers are quite canny and they only tell us what they want us to know so it's very difficult for us to uh yeah. investigate yep based on what they're telling us yeah based exactly mm-hmm. so now there are certain things you know uh the the individuals that 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 died uh obviously in the tunnels below uh one was a uh, a man and the other one was from uh the middle east mm-hmm. and it's my thought that uh they died in a, a cave in unfortunately and uh, um may have one of them may have been carrying a book uh one of them may have been carrying a flask and and that delft uh that delft uh where that you get in holland that that it's it's uh crockery that's painted uh white and then a, and then blue decorative you know mm-hmm frills on it uh, you know those uh they uh you could get uh well they they used that style not just to make plates uh, that was that would have been a flask some you know somebody would have had a flask down okay. there in their pocket so uh that's that's what i think that was uh and then traces of a book but it's just bonkers that, that uh, who would care that much to bury something that deep? Oh, absolutely. And yeah, um, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be spendable treasure. Nobody goes to that trouble to put spendable treasure down there because you right. want to go and retrieve it. So right. it must have been something very, very special. And it could have been the original documents of, of Shakespeare. But I do think there is an important Templar vault or cache on the island uh, elsewhere. Or we just don't have not been told there's a archaeological link in the money pit area to to the the historic timeline of the Templars. Right. What um, is your uh, thing on the coconut fiber? I mean, that's the only fiber that goes way back when. That's and, phenomenal. Uh, yes. Yes. See, that is uh, that is the uh, I did find uh, that. Coconut fibers had been tested in the 90s, five different right. tests. They all pointed to 1,200. And what was, so I, I had to pin everything I had on that day, even though it was just, just the coconut fibers to, okay. to 1,200 and the Templars. And Dr. Ian Spooner he he made my my year <laughs> uh, when he came up with the dating from the swamp, the earliest uh, man-made interference, if you will, yeah, yeah. and he put it down to twelve twenty, and the platform uh, the platform out of out of the the stones that massive yeah, like the paved platform, area yeah. paved mm-hmm. area that's all. Uh, dates to 1200-1220. So who who would have been capable of that at that time? And that would have been the Templars. And I do think the Nolan Cross goes back to that time because uh, uh, Fred Nolan was right. It was two islands. uh, And uh, the western side was a great deal larger. And this is the only thing that makes sense of the Nolan Cross in relationship to the landscape because... Everything was line of sight when you were building a cathedral, 
when you were, were uh, surveying at that time, everything was line of sight. And uh, they had various instruments that, that we consider crude today, but they worked. And these individuals were able to, to build cathedrals that, that stand today that are yeah. uh, 1,200, you know, well over 1,000 years old. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, but everything is line of sight. So you take the lower two stones of, of the cross, and those are on the western side of the island. And that gives you the line of sight to traverse the water to get to the other side, which would be the headstone, the skull stone, to the rest of the structure. And uh, it's, it's, yeah. the proportions of that were important to them. And I think that that has to be a uh, clue to us as to another, uh, another lo location on the island, another place for a, a potential treasure, mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily associated with the money pit. Now, that does not mean that, that it may not have been repurposed by mm -hmm. the Queen Elizabeth's agents, Francis Bacon, right. to indicate the money pit which they built. So these are just thoughts, because uh, you have to change with the research and the science. You have to go with the science. Yep. Um, otherwise, it's just a fantasy and a dream. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so we have to stay flexible. Uh, and uh, I, I do think that the Nolan Cross, the Templars did everything with practicality. And I mean, they were down in dirty practicality, mm -hmm. uh, but also with a level of reverence that outstrips anyone when it comes to spiritual ideals. So everything was to them was interlaced and the layers of onions, you know, layered yeah. onions yeah. and the deeper in you go, the deeper yeah. in you go. Yep. Um, and, and we're hoping uh, uh, this coming season or next season or whatever they're doing, that we're going to get some excavation at Nolan's cross to see if there's any more. Yes. Clues, I would sure like to. Yeah, maybe below the boulders or on the side of the boulders because we haven't even. Yes, touched. I'd like to see that. Right, yes, we haven't even yes. touched. We haven't even touched Fred Nolan's land at all, as far as I know. Not uh, that much. Mm -mm. Right. Uh, well, it is possible. Now, I I don't know if if the Nolan's cross is is just a marker, but it certainly is an outdoor cathedral. Right. It's right. huge. And it certainly right. is and important to the story, too. It's very it's important. It's not there by Mr. Haker, just by, no, oh, let's put no, a cross the, here. You know, there's the a maths, special purpose for it. Yeah, the maths are identical. Mm -hmm. and uh, The crossbars on either side of, of the right. headstone are identical. And it's possible someone might be interred below that stone. Uh, as, you, as some of you may know, when Templars were buried, Basically, they, they gave up their name to the order along with their, their wealth. Mm -hmm. So they were never uh, marked with a name, but a blank uh, a stone and a sword. And some of them had a, uh, a staff with a rose, a rose um, compass mm -hmm. uh, as well. Uh, but they would be on anonymous. And... In rare cases, you can uh, find 
church records where you will have the name of a Templar knight recorded in, in church records uh, right. that may have survived. Right. So, so, uh, but it's possible. So you do have a, a, uh, a sword on that, on the headstone. Um, but so much incredible, incredible work w- was done to identify that with the uh, swamp as being a triangle, a pyramid. Right. And right. What- uh, just marvelous information on, on that front. And, and what's important about the, the sword in that context is that it is a compass. You know, the medieval uh, compasses that... You, you use to draw circles, and uh, uh, so it gives you an angle, and, and uh, give, you know, along with the, the face, the eyes, it gives you an, uh, a triangle uh, and degrees. So uh, it's, it, that part is interesting. Now, there, there are things we don't know yet. There are things I'm still working on. Uh, I've a few uh, theories as to possible Templar locations on Oak Island as far as a hidden vault is concerned, but I certainly don't have an answer yet. I've been approached by a few people with their theories. Uh, One or two I thought were quite sound. Um, And I know that one individual has already been in touch with uh, Doug Kroll of Oak Island as to his theory. He put it in front of myself. So I am looking at a a, a few, Uh, but um, I do hope they, they find the chapel vaults, the money pit this uh, season. Um, I think, I, I surely think that some of the spendable treasure has gone. And I do give a lot of credence to Court Lindell's theory that the American Revolution benefited from spendable treasures. Again, yeah, that's you know, big theory, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> And then Ben Franklin, of course, which your interview with yes. him on the show, he goes to the French Masons yes. to get what? Yes. Well, they were the expendables. Uh, yep. expendables. And, and uh, the, the, uh, that actual interview was a great deal longer. It was uh, two, uh, two, it was actually almost three hours, uh, uh, that interview that I gave on the Drilling Down episode with William Shatner. Uh, okay. It was so, so thrilling to have been in the same program with William Shatner. Yep. I, was, I thought, oh, how exciting. I'm a Trekkie, and of course, uh, I'm a Star Wars fan too. But yep. to be in the same program as, as William Shatner was was exciting. But uh, yeah, that was almost a three-hour interview. And they, they cut my segment down quite a lot. But I decided to go to uh, see... Chateau de la Rochefoucauld, and when I visited in the summer of uh, 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 2019, Mm -hmm. in the library, they gave me, uh, graciously gave me access to the library, the archive, and the map room. I found, I was standing in front of this very expensive item, and uh, it, uh, if you if you didn't look close enough, you'd think it'd been something that somebody printed off on their their printer and put it in a frame, mm-hmm. and you know it, it had all the yep. earmarks of looking like a some a, a printed certificate. But what it turned out to be was instead of paper, it was vellum, which is a very expensive item in itself, and oh, it, it was a receipt of if you 
wheel and I took only one fuzzy photograph and it was a receipt thanking the, the Rochefoucauld family for their uh, probably first edition volume written by Ben Franklin on how to make money. Yeah. And uh, how it, money. yeah, how to, how to make money. <laughs> so this book had been in the Rochefoucauld Library and went into mm -hmm. the Royal Bibliotheque. And this object was a, a receipt, a very expensive one, thanking the Rochefoucauld family for this edition of, of Ben Franklin's book. So, you know, that, that the, Franklin and, and the Rochefoucauds were, were friends, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it's, it's, Franklin's so remarkable, uh, just a remarkable individual who, who wouldn't, boy, I'm getting tongue-tied, I'm getting all flustered, but, you know, <laughs> if... Okay. If if um, one of us achieved one area of what he did in his life, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, if, if 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 one were to become a doctor in, in, in this life, well, he became ten doctors. So unbelievable. The man was was. And did he not buy? Did he not buy a, a property? Did he not buy property on uh, in Nova Scotia? I um, the, I don't know. I think I might have heard that, yeah, but, but that kind of. Uh, I've heard of yeah. uh, twenty thousand acres in mm -hmm. Nova Scotia. That's what I heard. Twenty thousand acres in Nova right. Scotia. How he got it? Who gave it to him? That I don't have any yeah. details. Is on it. Deeply suspicious. <laughs> yeah, because there, there yeah. was talk about maybe Nova Scotia. There's theory that Nova Scotia was originally planned to be the thirteenth colony. So there's also yes. that tie in there. But yeah. absolutely, uh, yep, Jeff. and that why else would they? You know, would make sense to buy some property there, right? <laughs> so. There were no. There were six wars uh, over Nova Scotia. It was considered that hot and important between. Mm -hmm. You know the the French and the English, and, mm -hmm. and uh, eventually the American uh, contingent. So, a very important place. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and I do think that that Zena was right that the Templars found gold just off of Oak Island uh, at Gold River. Yep, I was just going to ask you that. I just put, I just nice put the paper in right in front of me. I Sorry. swear to God. You I swear to... to God. I just... I'll just talk all night. Just wind me up and, and get me going. And, and I think we just have like ESP here. Yeah. Or Absolutely. Going on Great here. minds think alike. Well, this is... You got that Star Trek uh, ESP going on like a Spock. Absolutely. On Absolutely. Okay, go ahead. With, you know, if they mined in the Gold River. And also, what about I've heard in certain things, that the Templar, Templars were exacting uh, silver as far away as uh, Mexico. Uh, I, I've heard that, and wow. I'm not sure if it's true or not. Wow. I, I, uh, I've not looked into that for myself. Now, I, you know, I could be wrong, but the further right. west, the further south one goes, the more unlikely I think it is. But I've not heard <laughs> the theory entire, entirely, so... Who, who am I to blow that one out of the water? Uh, I'd, right. I'd, I'd like to know more about it. But right. uh, I, it, it, it's, it's possible. I mean, at one point I thought it, it, it was uh, impossible for them to have come to North America. But it, right. it, it is possible and probable. And there's enough right. evidence to support it. So, um, 
Yeah, they they were very good at mining. They they knew how to do that. You know, they knew how to how to uh, handle themselves underground. <laughs> they did. Right. You know, that's, well, we're that having kind of, a nice conversation. Me, uh, Gretchen, yeah. we're, we're having a nice conversation with uh, Gretchen Cornwall. I thank all the members who are here right now. Uh, her knowledge is just impeccable. So that's why when I ask you some questions off the hook, I'm figuring, well, it would go by you, Gretchen, before it would go by me. So that's why I sort of throw things out to you once in a while. Go for it. Yes. I'll, uh, if I can't answer, I'll, I will say and uh, uh, yes, like the Mexico thing, I, 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 I I'm not certain. Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, but we. Yeah, I was going to say, can I throw one in there? I was uh, just thinking, you know, talking about the Templars and the fact that they were on the run. Something that John and I had talked about, just matter of fact, uh, just last week was, um, you know, the Templars coming here and then being on the run. They're being uh, sought after, trying to kill them all. Um, and so the theory about them becoming the the Freemasons in uh, in America. I mean, does you what's your um, your research show on that? Well, here's an interesting question. The Freemasons uh, hold the temp- Knights Templar with great reverence. Mm-hmm. Now, out of all the military orders, why did they choose them? They could have chosen anyone else, especially an order that had been disbanded. Quite cruelly by uh, the Absolutely. by the Catholic Church, betrayed yep. by them, basically, yep. uh, completely betrayed, and it, it, it's uh, I think it's highly credible, and uh, that is a a truth that I accept myself. I, they also inspired the Rosicrucians, oh yeah, as mm-hmm. well, and right. uh, it, these are organic um, human beings are organic and if you apply the discipline of anthropology to the Templars uh, you you will find that the uh, claim is quite it's credible that the Freemasons have what you don't have is a letter that said Joe Templar on day such and such started the uh, Freemasons, yep. but if you look at all of the, I mean, who's going to be? And that they wouldn't foolish? really want to leave that uh, kind of a trace, you know. If they're, if no, they're being, they're no, and and yeah, nope, yeah, and of course, even you know, even uh, no, I'm I'm not anti-Catholic. I, I'm certainly not an anti any religion. But if you are a Catholic, it is uh, they ask their flock not to join the Freemasons, and one of the reasons why is that at the time, go back far enough, Catholicism was the only religion in Europe, the only game in town. And uh, they had amassed incredible riches uh-huh. of uh, because you were supposed to tithe, and um, they taxed people. And the amount of riches they gained over the centuries uh, is Look. incredible. Now, why would they want an outside group coming in and 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 cutting a slice off for themselves. Yeah, it and, makes sense. It makes you sense, know, The the Freemasons were the first secular body outside of the church that, in its truest form, wanted to make better human beings out of men. 
mm-hmm. and uh, to raise better men and, and also a psychological system outside of religion. And that was a very deep threat to, to uh, the European world. Very deep threat. And mm-hmm. you're, it also has, has the seeds of democracy placed right in it because individuals rise by merit within these societies. It's not necessarily who you know, but in its purest form, in its purest form, uh, it is uh, by your own worth, inner worth. Who is the most capable? So, you know, uh, the Ben Franklin rose to great heights because he was mm-hmm. incredibly gifted and capable and dedicated, very wise. Yep. Uh, George Washington as well. And I uh, admire these individuals greatly. I truly do. Right. And this, not to, not to go too far off the beaten track, but this is, is something that may be pertinent to the discussion briefly. I... Uh, there has been a lot of discussion uh, lately as to the founding fathers uh, and, of course, slavery, which is abhorrent. Right. But what I will say is this. I do think that America is divinely inspired and that there is a beautiful loophole in the Constitution in that uh, all men are uh, able to. Uh, oh, forgive me. I'm getting a bit getting a bit tired here. But uh, it, it's it's all men are equal and able to pursue uh, the pursuit of happiness. You know, all men are created yep. equal and in the pursuit right, no. of happiness. So I just wanted to slip that in there. And okay, um, and of course, uh, women as well. You know. Uh, yep. You know, I don't mean to get political by any stretch, but uh, uh, for it takes centuries, unfortunately. And as a historian, you, you look at the long lens of history going back, and oh my word, it takes such a long time for things to change. And then you get some factors, factions that don't want to change, and Correct. and uh, so there's resistance, and then there's push pushes forwards. And when you turn around and look back and you think, well, why didn't this happen sooner? Mm-hmm. Uh, at least it did happen. So we've got yep. to, to be diligent and protect the independent sovereign right of the individual, but also be uh, of service to your immediate sphere community and to the country that has given you opportunity and safety and um, the opportunity for growth. Anyway, all right. Okay. We <laughs> got, uh, I got my last question for you. Then we can wind it up. But maybe a couple of questions from the members. Um, as the Templars went west from Oak Island, Templars went further inland, I hear, with the assistance of some Mohegan Indians to Wisconsin. Do you know any? Do you do you possibly know anything of this connection of the Templars going to the Mohegan Reservation in Wisconsin? Boom. I was blessed to be approached and sent a mysterious photo- photograph, just one photograph, 
of a degraded Templar cross pate carving. And I was immediately, immediately uh, uh, grabbed and also concerned about the validity of it. Okay, right now what you're seeing, the answer is yes. <laughs> and uh, I, after a year, I decided to fly from, from London to, to uh, Milwaukee and was met there by the individual who discovered this location. He grew up around this location. And he is half Mohican and a retired decorated police officer of 30 years, an outstanding individual. Okay, you and, can mention his name, no problem. If he, if he wants to be public, that's up to him. Mr. Wayne Murphy. And he okay. is a tribal, he's a tribal elder. And he, I think it, it took an, a, a lot of courage, a lot of courage for him to send those photographs to myself. And I responded, I'm grateful that I did. And made the decision to, to travel to uh, the Mo the Mohican Reservation, and I was grateful wow. to have been welcomed there as well. That's fantastic, yeah. And I I learned so much, and I came away with an education myself after after twelve days that that uh, I wasn't expecting, and it was it was incredible. It was uh, almost overwhelming, but that right there, uh, okay. the photograph there is inside a uh, cave, uh, a narrow cave, and it's man-made, angular walls. And it, what, what you're seeing there is my hand uh, at the base of a, uh, or on, on a blade of a sword. Mm -hmm. Very difficult to see now. Much of it has been eroded away. Mm -hmm. And the photograph you had a moment ago showed, showed what it looked like uh, to the camera. The, the naked eye actually showed more detail. But it is a sword right. with a, with a, uh, a Templar uh, cross uh, as, a, as a hilt for, for the sword. Wow. And that indicates a potential burial. And uh, wow. we discussed before that mm -hmm. that Templars buried their their dead with just a sword, and that is on what I, I I've called the uh, the night stone, and it is I believe an uh, an effigy of a knight in armor, certainly corroded, not entirely finished, but it, it was dressed, it was faced mm -hmm. in order to receive carvings and this is a faded templar cross pate down down uh about midway on the night stone the body and there are quite a few more carvings and uh the uh it also it also okay there's the tomb again and the roof line is is made out of a a large round boulder that is elongated and it had been yeah and and it's round it's like a log made out of stone and it's 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 long enough for someone to lay down in it and certainly mm -hmm. stand wow. and it was carved and split out of a massive boulder these boulders these glacier boulders were that were dumped in that area as the 
ice age was was ending and, and mm-hmm. receding are immense and they're scattered everywhere across That'd the terrain. Yeah. And the, so somebody worked very hard to crack that cave open and then dress it with a round stone, which right. I believe was imitating the uh, uh, burial, you know, of of Christ uh, with the round stone. And there's another stone that had fallen that would have completed the roof line and it's in front. So you have to climb over the, okay. the one stone to get into the cave. So the, the mouth of the cave and the, the roof line was of uh, round log stones. And also these, these um, triangle stones uh, next to the round stones. So, so it's definitely a man-made structure. And this is a carving on the right-hand side of what, I, again, the night stone. And it is a triangle with the capstone cut off, lifted above it. Mm-hmm. And we've, we are all familiar with that. And, the bill, yeah. 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 And for myself, I, I view this as Templar 2.0. You know, we, we had our, our head right. cut off. And uh, we, we, we made it through, and we're still a cohesive triangle, and we are still here. And uh, Yeah, so, so phenomenal, phenomenal. Am I going too fast, Gretchen? Am I no, going you're too fast? fine. And this <laughs> is, uh, I wanted to, to show people what, what I saw when I investigated the, the uh, stone here. And... The you, I superimposed a photograph of a a reenactor. Uh, his name is uh, Sir George Emmanuel Runner. He's on Facebook. He's in my friend list. He is a an educator, a reenactor, and he is wearing uh, armor that is is appropriate to the uh, time time. And so, so this is the pretty much what I could could. Uh, uh, what I'm seeing when I'm in front of that that stone, just to try to give you an idea. And this is um, uh, on the right-hand side as you're looking at the photo of the night stone where the triangle uh, was, uh, where I found the triangle. I peeled away the lichen uh, to, to reveal that. Uh, you have to be careful when you peel away lichen. It can uh, the roots can dig in and, and destroy the the monument or carvings underneath. You can't just go up and rip it off. You know you have to be very gentle. And lichen is very very uh, uh, slow growing. You know a millimeter a year. So you know you have a big thick carpet of lichen. That lichen's been there a long time, uh, hundreds of years. And and what you're seeing there also is uh, from site three. And I've not been to site three yet, but Wayne Murphy's son discovered it while he was out uh, hunting. And this is obviously a uh, stone that has been been dressed. It's it's rectangular mm-hmm. to become part. It's going to be part of a building, you know. So uh, so these these stones are are in like manner scattered throughout. And uh, there, it, near the nightstone, there are other beginnings of, of, of faced and squared stones like that as well. And I saw it out the, the, the car window. I said, wait, can, can you stop for a minute? And uh, I took a few, you know, cursory photographs of these uh, stones that, that um, were, were being cut from the boulders. And these, mm-hmm. This 
granite, you know, the granite uh, feldspar is filled with, with cr tiny, tiny crystals. And that is a energetic, uh, energetic uh, amplifier. And uh, you'll, you'll find quartz and botches. Uh, quartz is used for many things today in our technology. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, the Templars, you know, they, they went for the quartz, and that's what all of this stone is. So they were building, uh, planning to build uh, structures that had and left markers, monuments of the, the, this resonating uh, quartz uh, granite. And that is the, um, the, basically I decided to, there are 150 photographs in, in this, in this book, uh, maps okay. and drawings of my time on the Mohican Reservation and I did learn so much uh, from them while I was there. Right. And Can you tell the members uh, so, how to purchase or how to get these? We'll go through your books now. With yes, this one book yeah, of course, of course. Uh, so so uh, this is a photo journal. This is very different from my first book. My first book is quite academic. This is a photo journal. So again, 150 photos that I took at that location, okay. and also my commentary uh, scattered throughout uh, my experience there and what I found there. And uh, I'm sure that it will be followed up uh, soon with hmm. another volume. Yeah. Site, site 3 has become very interesting, and Wayne Murphy has decided to assemble a team. And uh, we reached out to a gentleman called Sean Williamson, in Scotland, he is uh, associated with uh, Clan Sinclair and uh, also Gunn, and so you know that's that's a pretty big deal. He is a well-known artist and stonemason, okay. and he, if you want anyone alive to, to who knows about medieval stone and and Templars and how they they worked their their craft it's going to be him so he's on board he's also in my friend list uh he's a very accomplished uh, artist and we have a videographer we have uh uh a uh, let's see who's the other gen gentleman alessandra's uh husband tim is is joining us with his equipment that can measure magnetic fields in the earth Fantastic. so i look forward to finding out what his survey will will uh, sh share with us and this is my my first book the the revised edition and this took nine years to write it, it oh was my. a challenge uh, and um, I've heard it is uh, uh, quite heavy going <laughs> so if you can't get through it don't feel bad throw it at a burglar so that is actually the the extended chapter from my revised edition that you just saw, and it has uh, the, all the new forward material. Uh, it is called The Stars of the Magdalene, and I discovered a, char, a star chart that was created by Julius Schiller, a uh, German uh, cartographer and lawyer, and he passed away in 1629, the year that this this star chart was was released, and they re he replaced Cassiopeia in the star chart with Mary Magdalene, and dubbed her as the the, the Queen of Heaven. Mm 
And of course, uh, Cassiopeia is a throne and it revolves around the North Star, which is meant to represent Christ in this context. And it is filled with amazing uh, alchemical uh, iconography. And uh, interestingly, in this particular star chart, uh, the Virgin Mary is not represented. So that is, it is all quite laden with, with meaning. And uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. The, the star chart itself is, is absolutely beautiful. And I was given permission from Lyndon Hall in, um, in the U.S. that has the entire star chart uh, from 1629. And they gave me permission to use two plates. So I was okay. quite grateful for that. Um, but, but yes, I, I, uh, Wisconsin, the Mohican Reservation, uh, the Mohicans were not the original tribe uh, at the time the Templars would have been there. It would have been the Oneida tribe and the Menominee. And the uh, language expert for the Mohicans, I spoke with him. There's a photograph of him in the book. Larry is his name, very gifted, intelligent man, dedicated to teaching anyone and children, uh, Mohican children, their language and keeping the language alive. And he said that the Oneida tribe were, uh, the Menominees uh, had been there since, since the Ice Age and were uh, open-armed people. Mm -hmm. So I think that, that they would have been quite welcoming to a Templar exploratory party mm -hmm. who had been accompanied by other guides and allies, such as the Mi'kmaq tribe. And, yeah, the uh, oh, my yeah. God. That's another, start. That's another show in itself. <laughs> that gets me going. Well, I'll come back if you, if you oh, know. Right. 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 You know, we, I'll come we, back. Yeah, we're going to have to have you back. There's been several people in chat that have mentioned that. They'd like to see you come back at some time sure. and, uh, uh, you know, go over some more things. That's that's one of my tie-ins with the uh, with the Templar and the Mi'kmaq. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in all of that. Yep. So everybody For out sure. there, and pick I'm, up that. A few, uh, a few people have mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, pick up that Templar Quest book there, quickly, the Templar Quest for North America. Just quickly, mm -hmm. if, I, if I may be so rude. So you're talking about uh, the uh, St. Lawrence River would have been the area where the Templars would have come through the Great Lakes. Okay. Yep. And yep. Uh, they would have encountered the Mohicans at that time because that's mm -hmm. the area that they were in. So it's right. this real serendipitous uh, circle that they would have followed the Great Lakes uh, uh, trading route mm -hmm. and, and it would have become the, the Trail of Tears for the Mohican tribe. In 1835, they were moved from New York to where they are currently in Wisconsin. Right. So, right. so they were, they would have met the, the Templars, perhaps even gone through with them of uh, guides and met the, the Menominees and the, uh, the uh, Oneidas uh, in, in what is now uh, the um, Mohican, Mohican reservation. It's a very strange yep. circle. And then when you go further south, to the Hudson Valley, that's where you would have met the, I believe, Micmac, if I've got my geography right. So there are yep. two geographical inroads going west, St. Lawrence River, and then you've got the Hudson Valley further okay. south, which leads to Newport Tower. So, right, so we're going to... Site three, and further in investigation of Site one, 
which which is uh, which this is site represents location one site one. So uh, just put that out there. Um, if anyone is interested, I can put you in touch with Wayne Murphy on on that uh, side of things. Right, they can message you or uh, yes, yeah. Feel free to message me. That's pretty uh, personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my yeah, yeah. yeah my, my email address is on my website as well. Okay, all right. Uh, GretchenCornwall.com. And okay, information like to purchase the books is on there. It's on Amazon. Any any uh, large uh, platform online, you'll find you'll find at Barnes and Nobles. Uh, it's on Kindle as well. And if okay. you need it in a bookstore, if you just have to get it through a bookstore, you can find the ISBN numbers on my website. Well, I really appreciate you coming in here, Gretchen. I'm so thrilled that you came in here and we have an historian to actually mm-hmm. answer our questions right on. And I learned so much. I appreciate Thank you here. You. My members Thank appreciate you. you. I hope we can get you back. Um, and maybe Absolutely. You know, like I said, for the members, they can put comments below this for other questions we didn't get to. Because I like okay. to keep the, the the thing about 60 minutes, and and, and that's where about we're at. And we oh, forgive me. Yeah. No, no. And, uh, you. <laughs> what do you think, Jeff? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, also, I was just uh, mentioning in chat uh, to the folks that were here, uh, many of them uh, ha- asked some questions that I was not able to um to get uh, to you. So what I'd like to do, if you have some time, this will be, um, this is recorded uh, obviously and placed Sorry. back on, on, uh, on the page, uh, on the fan page. Um, so if you would read it and sometimes, and maybe if you want to respond to some of the people's questions, that'd be great. I know they uh, I mentioned be, that I would. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'd be quite happy to be engaged with, That's uh, awesome. with your group. I'm, I'm very member. happy to be invited <laughs> and, uh, look forward to answering questions as I can. And I just, uh, I'm forgetting some, Oh, here. Yes. John, you asked me a question during the sound check yesterday that we did. And we actually ended up having a 45 minute conversation. That was quite, quite <laughs> terrific. It was supposed to be a very short tech question, but you, you, you did ask me a question and, and I popped out with my stock answer and I did ask, uh, an individual that I consider my upline, whether or not I did the right thing, and he said, "Well, why don't you why don't you put it out there?" So I I thought, okay. Uh, about six months ago, I was recruited uh, into a Rosicrucian order. So yes, uh, I am not a Freemason, but yes, Rosicrucian. There I have been a, I have been approached by other groups and. Um, uh, find a great deal of value in yep. uh, joining a modern uh, group, mm-hmm. and many have their uh, deep roots going back uh, to the Templar Knights. And of course, of course, there is no one that can prove they are directly descended, but the spirit that flows through uh, organized or these societies it is genuine. Yeah. So. My lips are sealed in the 60,200 people, whatever. Right? We don't yes. know anything. Yeah, we we didn't you must anything. tell them, <laughs> you must tell silent. them not to speak of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you and have a good night. And I appreciate everything. Well, thank you and, so much question. Very and, nice to uh, meet you. 
It's just thank unbelievable you, that you came on. I thank you so much. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you, John. Take care. Thank you, everyone. Good night, everybody.